Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. On this edition, you'll meet Abby Turner. She is a food blogger and is quite popular on Instagram and Pinterest. Plus, she is someone who is devoted to spreading a spirit of hospitality in the Lord. Some of her comments are ahead. Plus, it's Ron Sanderson of Spectrum Inclusion who spoke with me recently. He had an autism diagnosis when he was seven years old, and his mother, as he grew up, continued to affirm him. Through his determination and faith in God, he is a leading spokesperson for those with autism and has compiled stories of the achievements of others on the spectrum. And on this edition of The Intersection, you'll be hearing from John Stonge of Core Creek Community Church in Pennsylvania, insisting that how we think and what we think about can determine the direction of our lives. He provides some Christ-infused perspective. Finally, it's Mark Roser of Uttermost Missions addressing matters related to loss and trusting in the Lord in the midst of personal tragedy, having lost his 19-year-old son in an accident. Insight into God's faithfulness is coming up. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Abby Turner is popular on Instagram and Pinterest with tens of thousands of followers on each platform. Her life is centered on providing a Christ-infused viewpoint on a topic that the Bible addresses, hospitality. She has written a book called The Living Table, Recipes and Devotions for Everyday Get-Togethers, which features not only her perspective on physical food, but also the importance of spiritual food. Here now is Abby Turner. There's something about food and faith that tie in together. And I wanted to have you elaborate on that, yeah. if you would. Well, if you look at the first church in Acts, it says that they worshiped, they prayed, and they ate together. And I think that that is the foundation to any good community. It is this community that is grounded and founded in worship, putting God first, and then loving each other. And I think that if you look at Jesus's ministry, how did he love others the majority of the time he loved others around a table and around food. And I just love how that, that um, kind of thread of being around the table. Um, you know, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord, your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I think that that, that image is, is directly depicted back um, in the, in the old Testament where God says, okay, you're going to build the Ark of the covenant in the tabernacle. And then you're going to build the table. He didn't say, go build a pew. He didn't go say, build an hmm. altar. He didn't go say, build a chair. He said, no, I want you to, to love the Lord, your God, know the Ark of the covenant. That is where the Lord is. And then he said, I want to sit with you at the table. And I think that that is so beautifully woven throughout scripture that Jesus just wants to sit with us at the table. The last night before Jesus was taken to be mm. crucified in Luke, he said, I have eagerly waited to sit with you at this table. I believe that that is how God and that is how, how um, God's love story for us begins. It, it's how he um, shows himself to us. It's how he has a conversation with us. It's around that table. So throughout the living table, I talk about how we can just put on this mindset, this posture of obedience, clear off that table, share, share a meal with people because that's when God's really going to impact us. I mean, how many times have, have people blessed you through um, food, 
you know, it, like you said in church, it's just kind of what we do. I grew up Southern Baptist and it was all about that casserole, that potluck and look at the feeding of the 5,000, the first potluck. So I just, <laughs> I think that food is just, you know, woven throughout scripture. It's woven throughout our lives. So tell me about the, the concept and the structure of this book as you envisioned it. Yeah, so it was really important to me that these recipes were super easy. They are 30 minute, one pot. There are a couple of recipes that are a little bit, take a little bit longer. The marshmallow, the beer bread, the um, sweet potato quiche with spinach and feta in it. Um, but majority of the recipes are really simple. They start with store-bought ingredients. And that was really important to me. I wanted to do something that um, a cookbook that was ready for any um any type of skill set. And so I wanted to then make sure that every recipe had a picture. Because if you're a novice, like I was once, it was always really helpful to have a, a picture of the recipe. Then I broke it up by tables that we see throughout scripture, the table that serves, the table that welcomes, the table that celebrates and connects. Um, so every section, each table has a devotion and those devotions, you know, go back, talk about um, Paul's mother when he was, when she served, when they walked in and Jesus healed her and she immediately started serving. How, what can we glean from that? And then from the table, I break it into moments. I'm really, I love the birth birthday and the anniversary and the holidays, the big events, but I'm, I really believe that connection is formed in the everyday get togethers in those little moments of life, like the pool party, the back to the backyard barbecue. Um, and so with all of that, that's where these recipes kind of unfold. So you don't have to look through the cookbook and say, do I need to make an appetizer or a dessert for my game night? You just go to the game night section. There are five recipes there and you you can um, serve your community through that. Um, I think that it's, I wanted to give as many um, directives. I wanted to, to make it as easy as possible for people to open up the book and begin to serve their community. Because I think we, especially in a time like we, we, we are in, we're all starting to gather again, um, really flexing that muscle of hosting and, and community and hospitality and how do I do this? So it's, uh, you know, the way that the book has laid out is laid out, gives you all of the tools you need um, from, from moment inspiration to recipe inspiration. And then even thought starters, if you want to use those for your get together. Abby Turner here on the intersection. You can find her online at a tabletopaffair.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Ron Sanderson, the founder of Spectrum Inclusion and author of the book, Views from the Spectrum, A Window into Life and Faith with Your Neurodivergent Child. It includes a number of stories of autistic individuals and their exploits. He discussed his own journey with autism, how his faith in Christ helped to sustain and direct him, and content from the book. Here now from that conversation is Ron Sanderson. So when I was diagnosed in 1982 with autism, only one in 10,000 children were diagnosed with autism. So there was really not much information on autism. Now it's one in every 59 children are diagnosed with autism. The experts told my mom I'd never read beyond a seventh grade level, never attend college, never have meaningful relationships, never excel in sports. My mom was determined to prove the experts wrong. She was an art teacher and quit her job as an art teacher and became a full-time Ron teaching. And with her mm. help, I was able to graduate from Oral Roberts University with a Master of Divinity, Perfect 4.0, get full ride to college for a track and cross country. I've been married now for eight years. I have a five-year-old daughter. 
but none of this would have been possible without faith, love, and hope. And my mom placed my life into God's hand, believed that God had a special call for my life. She's always been an advocate for me. She advocated for me to have the first major Americans with Disabilities case in Michigan and won the first in the United States, Sanderson versus the MHSAA. And my testimony really begins there. My junior year of high school, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, made him Lord and Savior. Well, you wrote a book called A Parent's Guide to Autism. Your current work is called Views from the Spectrum. So I want you to share with us, what do you believe that parents of autistic children really need to know? What are a couple of the key points that you saw demonstrated by your mom that you communicate with parents? I think the main thing is that every child with autism is unique, and autism is spectrum. So you have some people with autism, they can do amazing math ability. But then you'll have, on the other end of the spectrum, some children who are nonverbal. But the key is to find that special interest, let the child lead you in their way of learning, and develop and mature that gift. Like Armania Williams, who I interviewed, who's from Gross Point, Michigan, who's a NASCAR driver, or Rachel Barcelona, who's Miss Tampa, or Tarko, who played for the Kansas City Royals minor league team. All these parents had something in common. They saw their child as a gift from God. They mm. saw that they had special abilities, special gifts, and they refined those gifts and used the talents that their child had and entrusted them to God's care. Well, the name of the book is Views from the Spectrum, A Window into Life and Faith with Your Neurodivergent Child. The author, Ron Sanderson, is joining me today. And, Ron, tell me, what inspired you to write this book? What inspired me is Jesus Christ and also my faith. The children with autism have great abilities, great talents. Currently in the United States, less than 3% of people with autism are gainfully employed as I am. And I want my book to help parents be able to have faith, hope, and love. Every book that I sign, I write 1 Corinthians 13, 13 in. And I hope that my book will help parents have that faith, hope, and love. And to believe that with God, all things are possible. And to have the tools, the resources that it will provide them to be able to help their child reach their full potential. There's an old saying any fool can see an apple on a tree, but it takes vision, love, and acceptance to see that orchard in that apple seed. And that's why I hope my book to be a seed that's going to help children develop their gifts and be able to reach their full potential and live happy, joyful lives and be able to impact the kingdom of God. Ron Sanderson here on The Intersection. You can learn more at spectruminclusion.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection Podcast. There are links to the podcast in the Media Center as well as in iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content 
Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you go to Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more at the Meeting House homepage. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's the lead pastor of Core Creek Community Church in Langhorn, Pennsylvania, John Stonge. In our conversation, he shared about the importance of thinking in accordance with the scriptures as he relates in the book, Dwell on These Things, a 31-day challenge to talk to yourself like God talks to you. Here now from that recent conversation is John Stonge. It's interesting because in my role as a pastor and even as a college professor, I have the opportunity to preach and to teach and to communicate, even with the podcast that I get to do and and all, all the different things I'm involved in, lots of communication going on there. But as many times as I've put together a sermon and as many times as I've had the opportunity to teach, I'm trying to encourage people in their walk with Christ. I know I have only limited time to actually speak to somebody and to preach to somebody. And the, the person that, that any of us have more opportunity or the most opportunity to listen to, the, to, to, listen to, to preaching from is actually ourselves. And uh, it's interesting because in my years of pastoral ministry, I've also been involved in a lot of counseling with many couples and many individuals. And I've discovered that it seems like most of us are spending a considerable amount of time preaching a message to our hearts that's a message of discouragement, mm. and it doesn't really line up with what Scripture teaches. And when you look at Scripture, it's encouraging us to think about things that are true and desirable and, and honorable and lovely. It's pointing us to Christ, and I think we need to get back to preaching that message to our hearts on a daily basis. And just something to note, of course, we are a communications source here with radio and other forms of media, and we air a number of Bible teaching programs as well as music that carries a message that is consistent with biblical truth. You are a preacher. You're also someone who hosts podcasts. You are a communicator. So we are involved in communicating truth to people. So there's a lot of information that is preached in pulpits and on Christian radio and throughout Christian media and in the culture, podcasts, and things of that sort. So how does one filter through all of the information and really internalize the information that is consistent with God's Word so that they may grow in the Lord? That was a mouthful, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? I, I know exactly what you're, you know, where you're coming from, because we live in the information age. Mm -hmm. So we have a benefit and a blessing that sometimes we're not really utilizing in the sense that we have information coming at us all, more information than we know what to do with, right? And uh, e even at times from, from context that we would hope would share our worldview, uh, but sometimes we still need to be very discerning. And so I love the metric that we're given in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And that's, that's what the, the title of the book, Dwell on These Things, comes from. That's what the title of the podcast comes from. It says, brothers, whatever is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And I'm putting emphasis on mm. these as I'm saying that, because so often 
we'll take things that aren't really honorable or aren't really commendable or aren't really just or pure. And those are the things that we'll fill our minds with. And those are the things that will grip our attention. And yet scripture is encouraging us, get back to what scripture is proclaiming, get back to what scripture is teaching. I also think it's really important for us as believers to hold everything up to the light of the gospel and to recognize that, you know, in the gospel, we see the perfect life of Christ. We see the atoning death of Christ. And we see the resurrection of Christ where he defeated sin, Satan, and death in his resurrection. And I like to look at all the different things that I'm preaching to my heart and preaching to my mind and dwelling on and saying, all right, does this line up with the message of the gospel? And I like to use that as my metric as I combine that with what it says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. John Stonge here on The Intersection. You can find him online at the website desiredjesus.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the founder of Uttermost Missions, Mark Roser. When he spoke with me, he discussed God's faithfulness in the aftermath of a tragedy, the loss of his 19-year-old son, a topic that he relates about in the book Blindsided, A Journey from Tragic Loss to Triumphant Love. Here now from that recent Meeting House conversation is Mark Roser. The question why drives the story. Why God? And I think it's a question a lot of people have when tragedy strikes, and it's a very personal question. And I believe there are answers, and I felt, Lord, tell me uh, why you permitted this, why you allowed this. I, you know, uh, I was I was pouring my heart out to God in the early days, and um, little did I know the ways in which He would answer me. My wife, um, at the end of the first year, she I think she summed it up well when she said, God has had an ongoing conversation with us. Hmm. And so as you, and I guess a good word would be wrestle, struggle, question, oh. the, all, all these different action words with respect to your posture, and just wanting some answers. So as you really struggle with God during this time. What did you discover? What did you learn? Those are all the words. You know, you struggle, you wrestle, you've seen God uh, do amazing things in your life. You know that he's sovereign, that he could have prevented the accident. I mean, the media called it a freak accident. There's so many ways in which it could have been prevented. And say so, yes, I'm 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 asking God why, uh, and not that that answer to the question is going to bring my son back. There's going to be this aching and longing, but I want to cooperate with God. And of mm. course, in writing, um, I'm realizing that okay, uh, I'm chronicling my experience with God uh, from the very first days that we went to Chicago. To find out what happened. The how also, uh, in a, a lesser way, drives the story. The why and the how question. I would like for you to give a word of encouragement to listeners today that may have experienced loss in their lives. Maybe a family member, maybe a friend. This COVID season has seen so many people. And I think that this title of your book really speaks to that, in that you've had a number of people that have been blindsided. 
people that you might even regard as at least looking perfectly healthy, not expecting for their lives to end. But nevertheless, that is what has occurred. They've contracted a deadly disease. And so you've had people that have been blindsided. The unexpected, the tragic has come. What would be your answer to this question, Mark? What now? A person has experienced loss in his or her life. What now? What step would you recommend for that person to take who has experienced this type of loss in their lives? I believe God is purposeful in what he allows. And the the hurt, the pain, even the evil in our world, uh, that which he permits for a season, the first thing to realize is God has a redemptive purpose in allowing it. The promise of Romans 8, 28, one of the greatest promises this side of heaven, he will work all things together for good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose. So that glimmer of light when we're blindsided, that realization that we can believe and trust God that this too uh, will somehow be used of God in a redemptive way. Um, bring us closer to Christ. Bring others to Christ. I began to realize that in writing Blindsided, that what I had been through was not just for me, but it was for others, that I might comfort them with the comfort God's given me. And this tapestry of answers, it's very personal when you're blindsided. And there are... Um, no pat answers to why a particular blindside happens to an individual. But I do believe that there are answers that God can give us that will enable us to hook up with and cooperate with God's redemptive purpose and not allow that pain, that loss, that suffering, uh, that chronic pain to get between us and God, cause us to think that God loves us any less or that this is some mistake, or we brought it on ourselves, you know, through through not believing enough or through some secret sin. But God has a redemptive purpose. Mark Roser here on The Intersection. His website address is mcroser.com. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. There are also links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as to iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.